afternoon and welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Welcome to a Friday as well. Uh, we are looking, of course, at a market that has got some negativity, at least on the nearby, for these soybeans and, and dealing with some higher numbers taking place in the rest of the grain complex. Cattle, wow. They turned themselves around. If you remember the crazy roller coaster ride earlier this week, that has now gotten some positive numbers and a mixed trade seen on the lean hogs. We're going to take a dive into what's going in on these markets today with Sam Hudson. Sam, of course, with Corn Belt Marketing. And let's kind of start out. You and I were talking before the program started. Just a lot of low volume out there, some open interest, and those seem to be really weighing in on this market. Yeah, you know, we look at open interest as a, as a whole. We're looking at, uh, you know, some of the lowest levels we've seen really over the better part of the last decade for corn, beans, and wheat. And so uh, you get into situations here where producers don't have a lot of conviction. You're looking at Yields in a lot of areas that may be just subpar, even if it's not, uh, you know, any type of a disaster. And obviously that filters into our national, uh, you know, yield average, uh, you know, discussion here in the summertime. But, um, it, you know, you just get kind of a fickle, uh, you know, finicky market, I think, is what we're left with here. And so, you know, anytime anyone needs to make a move or anytime there's a knee jerk, there's really not a lot of market depth in general. And I think you're going to continue to see that into month end. Uh, and I would think that the soybeans have to you know, tend to lead the trade here. We've seen that over the better part of the last month or so. Uh, and now that we finally you know, realize this acreage cut, uh, you know, provides an, uh, an avenue, to, you know, for some yield banter specifically to the beans. Uh, and then we'll see if we get anything in, in August or September to facilitate more market movement. Looking at the the kind of the quietness, I mean, obviously we're into the month of July, getting in the second half. Kind of typical at this point as we wait for this crop to develop and see if anything exciting happens within the trade. Well, that's right. And, you know, we talked about the yield aspect of it. You know, there's a lot of uh, discussion even up, leading up to this week's report of whether or not they would adjust on yield. And we did see that movement lower. Um, I, I guess I personally believe we could still see, you know, revisions there maybe all the way as far down as 170 by the time it's all said and done. I think the fact that they, they did move the yield lower in July based on gene data uh, is telling that they think that that uh, you know, could certainly have an impact. And if you look at you know historical methodological methods, uh, method data here for for USDA and NAS, I mean they used to have you know a factor in there that would uh, you know, significantly reduce yields if that happened. Now all those have been updated, but it almost begs the question, you know, how low could we go here? And I would plan on under 170 at this point. I think it's dangerous with the you know, the poor demand outlook that we've got because I think that could uh, you know continue to weigh on prices as we move forward uh, ahead of harvest in general and hopefully our export programming improves along the way to you know prevent you know any dramatic cuts anyways. Well you talk about exports and the way the dollar's been as of late I think that just adds a little extra uh, pressure and interest to this trade. It does you know and it's uh, coming at a time where you would think we're getting starting to get past some of the biggest gluts in South America but you know, we continue to see you know piles and bags of grain down there after the big crop that they had and you know the world's going to continue to feed off of that but I think at the end of the day uh, you know most of these buyers know that they're going to have to at least facilitate something out of the U.S. and no better time to do that than a fresh U.S. harvest and so hopefully we can you know, develop some of these uh, you know flash sales to keep the USDA from getting too aggressive with those demand cuts uh, but the most uh troublesome time could actually end up being you know january february march of next year uh as we look at another south american harvest and, and and you know you purge those old crop supplies as they get ready for a new one if we if they don't have a production problem i think that's your biggest problem if you keep prices suppressed now uh, i think it could help you know, rally spreads and basis uh, into harvest year so looking at uh you know the wasi report of earlier this week and, and obviously we've seen a lot of reaction especially on the wheat side of the complex what has been your biggest tech takeaway as you've had a couple days to digest this report 
I think it's just, you know, looking at the big picture of it and realizing that, you know, there's really no major bullish avenue for corn here in the short term. You know, we've kind of gotten to the cycle where South American production has almost become more important than ours. Uh, and the only thing I can see that would change that is if for some reason we went on some crazy export run, which I don't think makes sense right now. I think you're going to see, you know, continued even split between South America and us even as we get into our harvest. Uh, and unless we go hot and dry again into grain fill, uh, I think it's possible we could be under 170, but I don't, I wouldn't argue it by a wide degree. Uh, and if you can't get the trade, you know, able to do that, then I think, you know, we're, we're just kind of left being drug along by the bean market wherever it ends up. And, and that's what I think we're going to continue to reflect here over the next 30 to 45 days. What's your thought on this crazy weather? Have you guys finally started to get mo- some moisture in the Eastern Corn Belt? We did, you know, and that's the thing. I think over the next week to 10 days, there's very few areas out here that are in a major weather risk. I'm sure there's some areas that have continued to miss the rains, but we've got that every year. Um, and for the most part, I think you've kind of satiated, you know, you know, the market in terms of needing water, at least for the next week to 10 days. And as you get into the end of the month here, uh, I think that, you know, once again, the focus turns to the soybeans. We just cut 4 million acres out. Uh, they got pretty aggressive with demand cuts, which is, you know, not real bullish now, but I think that sets themselves up later if they've got to come down with yield. Uh, and so if you change weather again, I think we can still impact those beans and, and provide a sentiment for what people think is going to happen. In the meantime, we're just uh, going to have to kind of gravitate towards uh, what we think is fair value. And that may be you know $5 corn and $14 beans for now. And the making beans time is coming up now as we get into the end of July into August. That's right. And then we'll gear up for you know a whole other round of data all over again. And before you know it, harvest is going to be here. What are your thoughts on, on the ethanol margins as of this point? I know that they were some earlier talk that we saw some narrowing going on. Yeah, there, there's been some of that. Um, you know, the the availability of old crop corn is going to continue to kind of filter into that to a certain degree. But you know, we've seen some decent energy uh, energy moves this week, and I think it's just kind of the status quo there. Um, it's strong, it's steady, it's stable. There's really no reason you know, to expect any major cuts there, but there's also no major reason to sit here and push the bar on it. And so it's kind of a glass ceiling there for that demand leg uh, and just not a lot of excitement all the way around you know, to talk about right now. I think there's going to be more... Um, you know, ambiguity, I guess, if you want to call it that, on the export side and feed side, I would take notice of that. The fact that you know, USDA cut old crop corn exports, but they did scuttle some of that into the feed wagon, and we always have to take note of that. Uh, you know, those are the ones where you can maybe find it again on a stocks report down the road if we end up in a good production year or better than what we thought. All right, well, stick around, folks. We've got a lot more to look at as we get ready for the second half of the Fontenelle Final Bell on this Friday. We'll talk a little bit about what's going on in the wheat complex. No surprise, we're talking once again about what's going on in the Black Sea region and this grain corridor. Everything's still up in the air. We'll take a look at the livestock trade as well. It's a Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Here's an update on what's going on at Fontenelle Hybrids. We're combining with the Channel brand and the other nine regional brands to create a new enhanced Channel Seed brand. And we're excited to announce your local Fontenelle Hybrids dealer will be carrying select Channel products this fall for the 2024 growing season. That's an expanded product portfolio with the same great service. Contact your local Fontenelle dealer for details. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we're going to continue our conversation this afternoon with Sam Hudson. Sam, of course, with Corn Belt Marketing. And we left off kind of talking on the grain side of it. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the wheat complex. I mean, they've had some interesting rides uh, earlier this week because of WASD. And then let's add in the fact that this Ukraine grain corridor is still up in the air and they're starting to talk about it again. 
That's right. It's just kind of a broken record there. Every month we, you know, talk about is it going to be extended, is it not? Uh, and at the end of the day, you know, over the next year and a half or so, you know, as we start thinking about our next U.S. election, I think we have to consider the possibility that it may not be quite as easy to, you know, just send blank checks over there. And so, you know, I would put higher odds on, on this situation coming to a head at some point sooner than later. But, you know, for the short term, you know, good luck out guessing that. I think that, you know, the theme that we've run along here with is, uh, you know, into and throughout harvest, we've continued to see a large short position built up in that wheat market. Uh, and if you get through, you know, the back end of harvest here and kind of alleviate that hedge pressure, maybe a little bit harder to keep uh, keep the thumb on the market if you do have some of these geopolitical headlines. But, you know, without that to push it, uh, you know, from a fundamental standpoint, the world is still, you know, really in a tenable situation with the world wheat carry out unless we run into a production, you know, significant production problem somewhere else, um, you know, along the way that a major wheat producer, a major wheat exporter. Uh, and India could be one of those. Uh, keep an eye on that. They put some uh, restrictions on rice here this week. Um, and so anything that could kind of disrupt that world grain flow is certainly noteworthy, but whether or not it has any real traction is, is left to be seen. That's definitely going to be some interesting times for this wheat complex, not only globally, but here in the States as they continue to adjust what we see in harvest potential numbers. That's right. And, and you know, I think our basis and, and you know, uh, spreads have kind of signaled we, you know, we're adequate for now. I think the one, um, you know, one market to keep an eye on maybe spring wheat, you know, just from its own niche, little niche market, a little bit of a smaller market there and can get disrupted a little bit more easily. Uh, and, and you've got your drought going on in, you know, Canadian prairies that I think is at least, uh, you know, a talking point. So there are some items out there, but when you look at it, you know, historically, you know, price is still relatively elevated even now after the complete erosion that we've seen, uh, you know, from the flashpoint of the situation in Ukraine last February. Jump over to the livestock side. We haven't said this in a while on a Friday. We are waiting for some cash. <laughs> That's right. You know, and I think, uh, you know, obviously maybe some optimism here. We've seen a little bit of a lull in the cash market lately. We've seen beef prices kind of flutter lower lately, too. And with the, you know, direct correlation between corn and feeders, the feeders have really been leading things. And so uh, with corn kind of knocked on its butt after this, uh, you know, last week and a half and some rains coming in early July, it's been a little bit easier for that feeder market to, to say somewhat supported. Uh, but we continue to see a pretty big premium to where the cash market was trading and now you know you almost have to wonder if we need to see some uh you know some enthusiasm there to keep pushing live cattle into new highs i was a little bit concerned with the formation that we put on the chart here a couple of days ago but the close today was pretty positive we'll see where those cash numbers come out and uh, see what trade looks like in the next week any uh any positive um, i mean we were able to turn ourselves around on this trade i mean after the struggles we saw earlier this week can we keep that momentum going come monday well, I think the one bright spot is not only the good close, like you mentioned, but, uh, you know, the spreads were a little bit stronger, too. And I think that's uh, a pretty good sign as you get closer to this August contract going off the board. All right. What about the what the feeder cattle? Kind of what are your thoughts there and, and, and moving over to the hogs as well? Well, I, you know, unfortunately, I think you're just going to be looking at a direct correlation still with the corn market on the feeders. When you look at cash index, we're still just a slight premium Um you know, it's where that's trading, but I don't think it's, a, you know, needs to be expanded by a, a wide degree. I think the biggest thing is going to be, uh, you know, how we figure out these yields and what the cash prices look like uh, between now and where we're at at harvest. How much competition is there between some of these processors and the export market to at least fill the pipeline? I think there's still going to be a strong desire there to, to, you know, gobble up some of those inventories before the end of the year. Uh, and I think the biggest risk really on, on, you know, corn price side is going to be in the next spring. And that's where, you know, January, February, March timeframe, um, you know, I think that's where you could surge those feeder cattle again, assuming our demand hasn't fallen apart. So are we going to continue to see some pressure for these hogs? 
Uh, you know, you know look the drop in the dollar, the fact that our export program is pretty good. I mean, really, the recovery that we've seen has been you know, pretty interesting when you look at uh, the fact that you know, pork prices for July, I mean, really from, what, 81 and a half, 82, all the way to 110 here this week. And so, um, you know, I think that's encouraging. There's been a lot of, you know, concern and confusion about what the legislation in California is going to mean long term, you know, for the rest of these states and you know, just inventories in general moving in and out of there and, and throughout the country. And I think at this point, uh, you know, we've had enough fodder to at least sustain these gains. I think when you look at October, uh, it's got the next chance, really, if cash uh, sustains to maybe make a run at 90. Um, but when you look at July and August, I think they've put in a pretty good amount of work. I don't know if we have to keep going a whole lot higher here. We're going to risk, uh, you know, putting that demand at risk again as we uh, you know, get into midsummer. All right. So what's your one to kind of watch for the, for the markets come Sunday night into Monday? Uh, he uh, continue to watch the bean market. And I, I do think for the week or two, you know, you could get into kind of a choppy situation. It, it seems inevitable that we're going to go up and test that $14 mark, um, it, you know, and, and just the concern uh, about, excuse me, about the carryout. I mean, like I said, keep in mind, we've got a record yield written down. You've got one of the smallest ex- export books written down since the trade war. And so if either end of those equations even adjust by, you know, 5%, I think it's a, a big deal for the bean market. But what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? 800-655-3380 or All right, that's a look at today's Fontenelle Final Bell, brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers. Check it out as a podcast at ruralradionetwork.com or wherever you subscribe. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.